greeted by the only name the Iranian knew for him. Mr. Nuri, you as well. I trust you had no trouble getting here. Not that all, David said. Have you ever been here before? Nuri asked. It seemed like an odd question, given the moment. Actually, I'm ashamed to say I have not. Some day I will have to give you a tour. I would like that very much. Nuri looked at the box in David's hands. Is that the package we were expecting? It is, David said. But we have a problem. What is that? David glanced around. He noticed there were several more bodyguards taking up positions in a perimeter around them. There was also a large white SUV waiting by the curb with a guard holding the back door open. Ahead of it was another SUV, presumably serving as the lead security car. Behind it was a third, completing the package. Most of the phones are damaged and unusable, David explained, handing the mangled box to the Mahdi's aid. Something must have happened in the shipping. Nuri cursed, and his expression darkened. We need this. I know, David replied. Now what are we going to do? Look, I can go back to Munich and get more. It's what I wanted to do in the first place, but... But Esfahani told you not to leave. Well, I... I know, I know. Allah help me, Esfahani is a fool. If he weren't the nephew of Mosheng Chazini, he wouldn't be involved at all. What do you want me to do, Mr. Nuri? David asked. That's all that matters, what you and the promised one want. Please know that I will do anything to serve. The words had just fallen from his lips when David heard Brake's screech behind him. Then everything seemed to go into slow motion. The plan his team had created began to unfold, and David could only hope it went as they anticipated. He heard the crack of a sniper rifle. One of Nuri's bodyguards went down. Crack! Crack! Two more of Nuri's men went down. Then Nuri himself took a bullet in the right shoulder. He began to stagger. Blood was everywhere. David threw himself on Nuri to protect him as the gunfire intensified and more bodyguards were hit and collapsed to the ground. David turned to look toward the shooters. He could see rows of buses. He saw taxis. He saw people running and screaming. Then his eyes fixed on a white van driving past. The side door was open. He could see flashes of gunfire pouring out of three muzzles inside, and he knew his teammates were the ones pulling the triggers. An Iranian police officer, a guard assigned to the mosque, pulled out his revolver and began returning fire. Two of Nuri's plainclothes agents on the periphery raised submachine guns and fired at the van as it sped away, weaving in and out of traffic and disappearing around the bend. Now it was time for phase two, designed to slow down anyone from chasing after his men. David anticipated the blast as a car bomb detonated just a hundred yards from them. He instinctively ducked down. He shielded his eyes and did his best to cover Nuri's body from the shards of glass and molten metal that were coming down on top of them. The air was filled with the smell of burning and panic. As the thick black smoke began to clear a bit, David could see flames shooting from what was left of the lead car in Nuri's security package. All around him people were crying and bleeding and yelling for help. David now turned to Nuri. He could see the open wound in the man's upper arm, but after a fast check he didn't find any other bullet holes. He pulled out a handkerchief and applied pressure. Then he pulled off his belt and created a tourniquet to staunch the bleeding. Javad, look at me, David said gently. It's going to be okay. Just keep your eyes on me. 
I'm going to pray for you. Nuri flickered to life for a moment and mouthed the words, Thank you. Then his eyes closed again, and David called out for someone to help them. Suddenly four fighter jets roared over the mosque. They were flying incredibly fast and low, and the sound was deafening. But these were not aging Iranian F-4 Phantoms bought by the Shah from the U.S. before the Revolution. Nor were they Russian-built MiG-29s or any other jet in the Iranian arsenal. These were gleaming new F-16s, loaded with munitions and extra fuel tanks. David knew full well President Jackson hadn't sent them. These weren't American fighters. Which could only mean one thing. The Israelis were here. Prime Minister Naftali had really done it. He had ordered a massive preemptive strike. The war everyone in the region had feared had begun.